back to another episode of the Blue Collar Narrative. To my right, I got Brian Furness. What's going on, everybody? To my left, I got Matt Totten. And across from me, I got Rick Velko. Uh-huh. Introduce yourself, Greg. And I'm Greg Johnson. Welcome back, everybody. Glad to be here. How are you guys doing tonight? We're doing, doing fantastic. Great. How are you doing tonight, Rick? Doing well. And thank mm-hmm. you for tuning in, guys. We're glad you're here for another episode. Absolutely. And tonight... Well, you, I'm going to dive into it. Oh, well, I was going to say, Rick's in the hot seat yeah. tonight. You're getting it. Woo! What do you do, I Rick? I knew it. What do you do? We are I knew it. The Give wonderful it to me, Rick. Rick what do you do? Velco. I podcast. No, that's don't. what we do. We no, blue collar narrative. Yeah, that's right. Outside of outside of your primary job of podcasting. <laughs> My profession. <laughs> what I do. I didn't what make do you your do for fun? Well... I, uh, you know, the one that brings you the paycheck. I uh, move some dirt. Okay. I'm into excavating, land clearing, uniqueness of anything outside. We pretty much I drive dozers. chase to do. Um, we run heavy equipment. We labor. We fix problems. We solve problems. Pretty much in the industry is where we're at right now. So at a high no. level, would you say you're an excavating contractor, Rick? I think, a hybrid, I think he's a I'm hybrid. I think he's a hybrid. That's true. Honestly, yeah, that is true. You, honestly, we are a hybrid. He's a mix of everything. Yeah. We we are actually really phenomenal at land clearing. We are great at excavating. Um, we could log. We have capabilities of doing underground dirt moving. So we're not really specific. Like mm-hmm. a lot of contractors really just hone in onto something. We actually just fix problems. We get the phone calls that seem to be I've already had a guy out here. And he just ain't cutting it. Yeah. Like a third of our business is clean up other people's mess anymore. So I don't really know what we really are anymore, but we're just really diverse. Yeah. And that's kind of what we but do. But primarily it started with excavating and land clearing, which yeah, I was so, going to say, yeah, like when you first started, what drew you to it? What was that? I was, I was trade a kid. That you started it. I was a kid. I was born, um, I was born for this. I basically grew up in a logging family. I just loved heavy equipment. I loved waking up. I don't know about anymore, but I loved waking up early, (laughs) traveling to the jobs, working with the guys. Um, Grew up in the logging industry for, God, about six, seven years, pretty straight. Mm -hmm. Then um, as I started getting older, you kind of get curious, want to venture out. It was the yellow, the yellow iron. Like who doesn't like watching the black smoke roll? The yeah. right sounds, the engines, these guys pushing dirt, throwing stuff. I'll tell you who doesn't. The EPA. <laughs> <laughs> well, global warming doesn't like that. You know, that's another conversation. Here. But as a kid, I was just fascinated with the heavy equipment. So, so you started with Tonka trucks in the sandbox, and then oh, just yeah. moved right into the big sandbox. The real yeah, deal. But, I don't yeah. think there was time to play in the sandbox. He went straight to oh, the no. real deal. That's we, what I'm we, saying. Had, we had Tonka toys in the sandbox, and if I wasn't sitting on them, riding them around, I was just loading trucks at seven years old. So right. I was kind of unique. I really grasped onto it. Like we zip tied blocks to the pedals and I would kind of just hold myself up on the steering wheel and drive around and do my thing. But, um, so being engrossed in it as young as you were, loved it. You loved it. Loved it. You were hooked right then and there. You knew that was you for the rest of your life. So kids these days are hooked on video games. Yep. This is a video game. It was it really live, a real deal. Live action. But the, the consequences are is like, on a video game, if you're playing Call of Duty, you get shot, you die, you restart. This industry... Grandpa's not coming back. You, you, <laughs> yeah, you, right? might, you don't get to yeah. hit restart. Yeah, you might not make it back. So, looking at it 
from a young age, I was just fascinated. I didn't know the risk. I didn't know what was really involved. I just knew I wanted to run equipment. I loved everything about it. And just being really diverse and looking at the aspects, I was interested in the underground of why these guys had these big boxes out there. There's pipe on the ground and you drive down the road. What are they doing? And then, yeah. And then not just that, you would come back and all the pipe would be gone. Yeah. All the dirt and sand would be gone, but you've seen semis coming in all day long. You're like, what are they doing? So the curiosity and the interest of the industries kind of just sucked me in. Like I could have stayed with the logging and not looked back, but I was just like, what are these guys doing? They're, so they're you artists. To tell me that you weren't completely driven by money. You were driven by something you actually liked doing. Not, not at all, dude. I, money was just irrelevant. It was yeah. just a tool for putting in my hours. That was the bonus was the yeah. money. You and, actually love your job. Yes. And I didn't even know how much money you can make. And I didn't even know how much money I was making when I first got my, um, I remember getting my first job into dirt work. I didn't even know how much money I was making. Didn't even ask. All I knew is I kept showing up every day, power washing equipment, shoveling. He's like, you're too young to work. The day I graduated high school or my last day of high school, I started in the excavating realm full time. I never stopped logging. I never stopped doing the excavating. Like while you guys might've been hanging out, I was going to work after work yep. or after school. On the weekends, I would put in the hours because there was no training facilities. There was no... It was on the job. Yeah, it was all on the job. So after I started in the excavating realm, I was so interested in the industry that after everybody would go home, I'd clock out, but I would stay. I would talk to the boss and I would stay and run equipment. And advance mm -hmm. your skills. Correct. So I'd labor all day because I didn't know what we were doing, but I had... I always knew you had a skill set for operating. Like, you know, if you got a knack or not. And I was just like, man, I could do that, but they're not going to pay you to learn back in the day. No. So I, after these guys would leave, I would so, those push dirt. What I'd just educate myself and learn. So did a foreman or somebody see you staying after? Do you think that might've helped you advance a little bit? So basically on the job, just, just hustling. <clears throat> Starting out as a labor, right? Mm -hmm. On the excavating world. What's pay, by the way, roughly? Yeah, when you labor? start out at that. Uh, pay, basically, back then, it was like 12 to 14 bucks an hour. Today's world, it's more like 14 to 17, yeah, I'd have right. to say now. So That's starting out as a just heavy a basic, equipment labor. Just a labor. You're not even a heavy well, equipment. I mean, yeah, what but, what yeah. kind of skills do you think you should have day one? A willing attitude. Yeah. Um, that's huge. And then not to be just, this isn't my job, you know, open-minded general work ethic, really. Yes. Yeah. But you, you got to have a mindset of this is a, this is a temporary step into a, a education that has endless amounts of doors. Right. So when you, when you get walking into it, you really have to understand you're doing this like someone goes to college. This is an education. Yep. It's awesome, dude, when you're a labor and people don't realize it on a sunny day. It's easy. The mud, there's no mud. It's the dirt. You're brushing dirt off of just a finished grade or you're shoveling, digging to some pipe or cleaning the curb. You're just doing basic shoveling. Um, You know, you're sweeping. Cleaning, getting you, tools. Yeah, you're, you're doing just go for work. But then on the flip side, the willing attitude has to come in because you... 
you really don't stop working in the rain. Mm-hmm. You might have 10 pounds of boots, you know, 10 pounds of mud on your boots within minutes. And you got to do this all day long. So you got to be willing to work. But basically, you know, you, you need to learn a tape measure over time. You need to understand a little bit of math. You just need to be, I want to say more physically active in the dirt world because it's not a very non-physical activities. It's, it's a very labor physical field. Yeah. Like you could be digging, you and, could be probing. The, the willingness to learn, like you said, like, hey, go get the laser out of the truck. Correct. The next step to getting the laser out of the truck is Setting how do up. you set it up? So if you can learn how to set it up, I, you well, know, then you uh, identify, identifying tools because in yep. the dirt industry, there's multiple tools yep. for different applications, different scenarios. I mean, you need to be able to know what a spade shovel is, a flat shovel. And this same thing when you go down Home Depot, you go down the aisles, the lanes, and you see what these tools are. All those tools you see at Home Depot, they do something. Yeah. Yep. And they're pretty... Specific. Specific. And they go to moving dirt. And what people don't really understand is having that willingness to learn what you're mimicking doing with a hand shovel. If you're creating a swale to drain some water or you're, you know, brushing out a nice finish grade or you're raking, you're mimicking what a machine operator does with a hand tool. So you need to learn to understand how to grade or clean or finesse mother nature with a hand tool because you're going to do that on a hundred full scale with a, a hydraulic tool. Yeah. yeah. Yep. With way so more you need power. To, you need to know the basics. So Very I guess like basics. me, I'm a laborer. I just got a job with a site clearing company or a land, land development company. Okay. What would a daily task look like, you know, starting out, you know, for a laborer? So basic tasks, you're going to have a quick little briefing on what we're doing. Let's just say you're working with an excavating crew today, mm-hmm. whether you're doing basement or pipe. Um, they're going to give you a, hey, we're looking to do two or three taps today and then maybe a couple basements. So instantly, you're going to be on the job probably around 630. You're going to start around seven because you're racing the sun. Yeah. So instantly when they say, hey, look, we're going to do a sewer tap today. You're going to run and you're going to grab all the tools that you need out of the truck right now. And that might be a spade, a probe. You're going to need laser grade, laser rod. grade rod. You're going to need some glue, some primer, a saw. You might need a fern co, some screwdrivers, pipe flare tools. Yep. You know, you might need a water line, some duct tape. So we're prepping for connection. You're, you're prepping for a house or a building or a condo, whatever that may be. You're just prepping. So identifying everything. Um, once that starts, the first thing is, is obviously you got utilities. So we can't just dig them out with a machine. So instantly you're going right into a hand shoveling mode with a probe rod. And let's be and very specific shovel. in your pot, your spotting. You as the new guy are on the shovel and the grade rod and the probe. You're all doing all of the manual long. labor. Yes. And and the thing is, is it's physical. Yes. And the sun's beating on you. You know, you can't drink enough water while you're working because you don't really, you can't really take your time because the machine, if the machine's not moving the way the excavating world is, 
if it's not moving billing, it's losing money. Yep. So when you're labor, it's kind of a hustle game. Yep. Um, once you get down to exposing like utilities or something, you're going down to the sewer tab and so on. And basically you're communicating with the operator and your other labors, whether you're the guy on top or you're the guy in a hole. And this is a team work kind of atmosphere. Everybody's working together. Everybody has their own job. Yeah. And so what kind of hours are you looking at pulling in, in the dirt world? Realistically, um, and we're kind of unique. We should specify yeah. we're up in Michigan in the north. Yeah. So up here, up here in Michigan, it's we make almost all our money in eight months. Um, spring and fall, you might get an eight-hour day, maybe ten. Um, in the heat of the summer, or if you're on like a big road crew or underground, just doing massive developments, you could be looking anywhere from a ten to 14, 16 hour day. Yeah. Yeah. Plus drive time. And and I will say I'm originally from Texas, which is where I got my start in the dirt world and, and down there because you can work more of the year. Uh, you're still going to be pulling hours, but generally your days are fairly consistently 10 to 12 hours a day. Yeah. And you get year round down there up yep. here. You know, you're beating you're, the clock. You're, yeah. You're beating the clock, but you're also, you're racing mother nature. Cause yeah. once winter comes, you know, we could get two to three foot of frost depending on the weather this year. It's mild, but you can't grade mud. No, <laughs> nope. But you know, if you're if you're on a dozer crew, you know, or a rogue crew, as soon as as soon as you could start rolling the mud off and start actually getting down to dry dirt, I mean, expect the hours. You're yep. you're going to be rolling. And and the other thing is, when you're in this industry, is you're always constantly watching the phone, managing Mother Nature. You're prepping every day, even even if it's just the labor. You know, telling your operator, your crew, hey, we got a rainstorm rolling in. Um, so you're you're using a little bit of the technology that's on your phone these days. Um, it's it's just a group effort. Speaking man. of being on your phone, if you had to talk to a new apprentice about a phone, what would you say to him? I would I would honestly tell him that you could check it probably how many times a day, Rick? Uh, four. Four. I'd I'd say you know first thing in the morning. Before we start our group meeting, whatever, go ahead and do your thing. Yep. Nine fifteen, right? Because life is very fast paced now. So yep. nine fifteen, um, lunchtime. Yep. You know, three o'clock, and if we're working late, you know, around five thirty, because everyone's, hey, when are you coming home? Yep. Dinner yeah. time. Yep. So realistically, I would say four. I know it's a habit for a lot of people to that, try to a, work one handed. That's why I brought it up, is because but, we're so integrated with it, and yeah. the trades. <laughs> I think what maybe a big sticker shock to the kids coming out is they can't have their phone out because they are in a dangerous environment. Yes. Well, it's a fast always pace. Always have to be paying attention. Yes, yep. it's a fast pace. You could get run over. You could blow yourself up. You could electrocute yourself. You could hurt another employee. This industry, especially in the heavy equipment world, yep. plumbing world, carpentry, whatever, especially in the dirt world, it takes two hands and it takes a clear mind. Yep. Um, you can't You can't bring your problems to work in the excavating world and not pay attention and get run over. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Uh, you've got a unique situation because you've do. been doing this since you were you know, a kid. It's a habit now. Yeah. But when you kind of crossed over, in fact, let's take it this way. When you stopped working with family, you went to work for a quote unquote real company. Yeah. It got real. 
What was the biggest shock to you of, I was not prepared for this? Oh Lord. That's a, that is a really solid question. Um, you know, really in the excavating world, you're running heavy equipment. Things are going to happen. Somebody's going to mess up in this industry. It's, it wasn't my fault. Nobody wanted to own up to the situation. In this industry, you can't lie when you take an excavator and you hit a building. No. Right? The like, evidence is kind of right I there. found it that way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for, for example. I, um, There's no pushing some dirt over yeah. it going. I don't, I don't know how that happened. For example, and we'll get to that point down the road, but I, I made it That's from. That's where we blame the plumbers. I made, yeah. it, I made it from that. Did you see that car? Yeah, I made it from the labor to a dozer operator. I know we're getting a little off track, but I'm sitting here bulldozing all day long. And I got the new guy uh, backfilling the porch. He drove up over the concrete, left the backhoe running while the thing was in gear. He had it stuck. He jumped in his car and drove away. The boss shows up. The oil is leaking out of the oil pan because he cracked it. Yeah. The the owner comes around and he starts accusing me of messing his backhoe up. And I'm like, yeah. it wasn't my fault. I right. had a guy out there and that's what he's doing. He's like, he ain't nowhere around. Right. There's no going back in this industry and saying, I didn't break that. I didn't do that. Um, it's very forgiving in the logging industry or land clearing industry because you're making a mess. <laughs> yeah. But um, what was really shocking to me, and I know that was a little sidetrack, is how creative and how detailed these guys get. Um, like virgin ground when somebody's digging, how important it is how critical every move is, you know, from the machine to the cycle times um, down to the finish grade for presentation. These guys are artists and how much pride that they actually take into being just awesome operators was like shocking. Cause I just thought maybe you would jump in a machine, you know, look simple enough, good enough. And obviously you could do it when you're, when you're, Watching from the ground, it seems really simple. When you get into the machine, it's a whole different ball game that you have to relearn. Right. So it that's that's the most shocking part is once you think you understand everything, like you got good basics and you got a good solid platform, and you take the next step, it's like a complete learning curve because now you got blind spots and di different atmospheres, different labors. And you're used to seeing everything things out there. moving around all around you that are out of your control. And yes. I couldn't agree more, you know, just me being new to the dirt world, you know, working with you guys, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm the laborer. I'm out there checking grade, brooming, you know, taking care of stuff. But sitting there, I sit and watch you guys operate and I have, get a sense that like, I could do that. Like, that is amazing. Just watching you guys work. Yeah. So, you know, my brain is thinking how, what you guys are going to do next and vice versa. But when I got to sit in the actual machine. It's a whole, it's different, a world. whole different world. It's like, oh, yeah, man. You know, like, what am I doing? You know, it's not that simple. But at the same time, taking some, you know, well, getting some and, hours and under the, thing, the, you know, the seat. The thing and, is with it all, there's it's like a song and dance. The laborers have to work with the operators. The operators all have to work with the laborers, the truck drivers, other trades. Like, it's a song and dance. And it's, when a, they're, it's a team sport when you yeah, get to the is. end of it. Yeah. People don't realize yeah. how much 
their labor is just as important yep. as the operator. And yep. that's your, the, your labor is your eyes. You know, when they're probing, they're saying, Hey, don't go this deep. Don't go this deep. You know, cause you can't see in the trench sometimes. And you're spot on right there. Cause really when you start touching on everything we're talking about being a labor, you think, Oh, I'm just a labor. And I'm just, you're the I'm eyes just sometimes, ears. sometimes you're the most important guy yes, yep. on the job site. Absolutely. And that's, that's one of the biggest roles that people don't realize and take for granted is I'm just a labor. That operator, I guess, looking at now of how important that guy really is and how good he has to be because a good labor will make an operator shine. You could have yep. a great operator with a crappy labor and it's a total train wreck. Yep. yep. And that's why you start with cleanup and you yes. work your way to being the guy in the hole 100%. because that guy in the hole actually has to know a little bit of knowledge or yes. a lot of knowledge. It, it kind of sucks because once you get a good laborer, you don't want to go. turn him into an operator yes. and it's like, what does the timeline look like that for somebody that's getting into the dirt world? Uh, you become a laborer. What is the timeline, and you know, from start to maybe moving into the seat? What's your well, level being, of motivation? Being, right. yeah. being real, being realistic. Some guys don't ever make it past being a shovel foreman. Yeah, they're not going to do it. They're, they're not, not cut out the for capabilities. It. Um, these machines are intimidating. Why? Um, Why? Because they're big, they're blind spots. No, no, no. Why will they never make it past a shovel foreman? <laughs> because they can't think outside the box. Right. When you're a labor, you can't just stay focused on just the task. There's a lot more safety oriented things that are going so you on. You can't have tunnel vision. You got to no. be looking at everything around you. Non-stop. So there is such, there is a, such a thing as a journeyman laborer kind of. Oh yeah. You know, yeah like you absolutely. Become, I mean, you could, you, career could get, laborers. you could yeah. get into the dirt underground mm-hmm. being just a digger to a pipe player. Which is a crucial part. Mm-hmm. You could be top, you man. know, top man, finish grade. There's so many aspects of just being a labor. Um, basically, to be the best of the best labor, you have to be able to understand and work with that machine and keep that machine just a humping. Um, once you understand every move that he's going to make, like for example, I'm I'm digging some pipe and I'm a labor. I instantly, as he's greasing his machine or he's getting ready to start prepping and we're going to start digging, we're already over there digging the utilities. We're exposing everything. We're getting everything to go. As soon as he's clear to start digging, we start maybe putting the fern coal on. We start prepping for the sewer tap. We get the core machine ready. You start thinking two to three steps out. Yep. Because if you are a phenomenal labor and you understand everybody's aspects from being the guy that's laying pipe to the ditch digger to the top man and taking a new guy and training them, you're ready for that next step of being an operator. Now, some guys, maybe you're not the excavator guy, but let's say you're moving up to being a mainline digger or whatever. Then operator has to be able to scream or talk however he chooses from the cab and tell the crew and fix the scenario right then and there. Because if they can't understand what he's trying to do, he has to be able to explain it why he's pulling the levers. And if he can't get out of the machine and help them through a situation, he's, he's not, not ready happen. to be an operator. But at some point that guy in the hole should have already recognized that there's a problem. Correct. And that's where 
you get that advancement. Yeah. It's when you can recognize a problem before it's all the way a problem. It, the the guy becomes the foreman yep. on yes. the job. Yep. Honestly, is where he's yes. at. The the and operator then you get your seat time. Am yep. I correct? Correct. The the operator is just an extension of the machine. Yep. And and I do want to clarify before we go too much further to to kind of expound on what on on what, what Matt asking. asked. There are career laborers and. And in all honesty, the you kind of have two paths to becoming a foreman. And what Rick just laid out is kind of the operator path to becoming a foreman. Eventually, you kind of move into the mainline digger role, which for people who are unfamiliar with the industry, you're in the guy, you're the guy in the excavator that is digging the trench and and actually putting pipe in the hole. And the reason that's such a critical role is you're always around utilities, you're always under power lines, you've always got traffic around you or people around you, and so you have to become the main driver. And so that's kind of the operator path of becoming the foreman. But on the laborer side, it's actually, this was fascinating when I worked at, at the large excavating contractor I used to work for. Um, you have a role that is, your, your role is called a grade checker. And in back in the day, you literally carried your laser and tripod over one shoulder and you had your grade rod on the other. And you would walk around that job site checking grade for the various dozers that were going around or the excavators to let them know where they were at in relation yep. to grade. And then when you got to finish grade territory, now you're working hand in hand with them. Well, now with GPS, what it's turned into is it's much more of a role of you actually go around, you have the full set of prints, you handle most of the things that aren't quite to the point where we need to get the foreman and the superintendent involved. But you're still making calls. Yeah. You know, I as an operator will call the grade checker. Hey, you know, my my outlet elevation is not lining up with where we're supposed to be on this. What do we need to do with this ditch? And so he would drive down. He would come down with the GPS and with the prints and we would go. And he was the one sorting it out unless it got bad, and bad enough that we needed to escalate it to the foreman. And so you can already kind of see how that tees you up perfectly yeah. to becoming a foreman. Yep. Yeah. And so, there, so you now, can be a career laborer. There's just so many that, avenues there are on the dirt world. Yeah, like when you very say broad, just yeah. the labor, there's 10 different paths yep. and, and that, being in the dirt world, yeah. whether you're a labor operator, you know, it just, you could get really specific or you could be very broad. If you just want to be a finished dozer operator, you can make a you great can career forever. Yeah. You can make a great and you can make a really good living yep. just being a finished. And that operator. was my next thing is the career path of becoming an excavator, whether it's mainline digger, whether it's, you know, finished grade operator, whether it's, you know, uh grade foreman, whatever you want to call them. What kind of money are we looking at? And what's the path when you when to you, the money? How do you get to the money? So just to go down the money train. You know, obviously, we talked about the labors being around seventeen bucks on the high yep. side. Um, What's a middle, middle, kind of middle? The, you know, yep. So the labor, just the labor, to go a little bit further, a good labor could get into doing twenty five to possibly thirty bucks an hour, depending on what they're doing. Union, they could possibly get even higher prevailing wage, David Bacon wages. I yep. want to say labors were making about thirty six or thirty seven an hour, take home pay. Plus benefits. The boys up in Lansing last year, those yep. boys were pulling 120,000 a year laboring. Wow. Wow. So in, now, now in that, about six months. Now we should specify that's a, this is a union state and that's going to yes. make a tremendous difference yep. in wages. Yes. And, and, and is there any perks, company trucks? Is it, is it labor? No, right. it's pretty much you drive your car to the job. 
you'll probably carry your tools to yep. the job. Yep. And what's the um, next step after that? As far as coming into the operating world. Yep. Um, you got to want it and you got to basically want, um, advancement. You can't be complacent. You got to want the challenges. You got to want the next step of basically of education. Yep. Um, if you hang around long enough, you're going to get tossed into a machine regardless whether you're union, non-union overtime. If you're around long enough, Hey, so-and-so didn't show up. Can you, they're going to, they're going to throw you into it. It's not even if you can, it's get in there and start moving the, go around the loader and bring me pipe. Whether it's pushing dirt, moving pipe, um, cleaning the road, whatever it is. Just basic. Um, getting into the operator world, whether you go dirt or whatever. Um, you start out probably around 18 you could be looking at maybe 25, 26. Um, you're probably going to hang around 22 to 24 for a while. If you really want to chase some money and you want to get real specific, this is another door that you would open. You could come like a mainline digger. You could come, you know, the dozer man that basically levels the parking lot. Yep. Or if you want to do mass excavation, you could really get into 30s 28 to 30s up to 40 i mean there's how about about that uh you know superintendent manager position well i should specify right now the going rate in michigan union operator it's pretty close to the labor rate i want to say you're around 38 an hour take home plus fringe benefits so So all in, I think your compensation is like 42, 43 an hour. Yeah. And, and, and moving up into that, I guess, what was the next tier above that? If you're going to so, move into that. So that's where you really step into the foreman superintendent yeah. role. Yep. I mean, if you want to, if you're going to just basically blow dirt around on a bulldozer, you're not going to get as much as a guy that's digging mainline. If you're running yep. a wheel loader around, you know, a good wheel loader makes a job, but you're not going to get the money that the main line's making. Yeah. So yep. the, more crucial, the more critical, and the more thinking, that's where the money's at. I mean, if, yep. if you're chasing money, you're chasing a career path, and not, you're... Not, not so much chasing money. I'm just trying to show yep. people yeah. that these people that are coming into their restaurants or wherever that got dirt on their jeans, oh, yeah. they got a real job. Yeah. yeah. And but they you, make real money. You got to have a passion for it, and you got to have the willing to learn, because... There's so many aspects of it. Yep. I mean, the dirt world is a big one. And so and you can go it, a lot huge. of different directions. It you, is. You step into that broad. Form. Yeah. And, and that kind of segues into what you do, but that'd be well, another episode. Yeah. Well, we get into another episode. I will say when you step into the mm-hmm. foreman world, you're probably looking anywhere from 100 to, or I'm sorry, 80 to 120 a year, yeah, would you say? 120. And, and then you're so, talking pickup truck. You're, you yep, know, all, yeah. the, all the guys start getting insurances after a while. Yep. yep. Typically, it's ninety days anymore, or thirty days. But yeah, but your your owners can contribution to what you know. I've learned this being in the trades is, is you know you might not get a raise, but all of a sudden instead of paying fifty percent of your benefits, yep. now you're not paying any. Right. Yes. Yeah. So there, you know, there is advancements even there. Yes. Or you know, uh, some of the foremen that I know that when they first get their company truck. Most company trucks have GPS in them. Oh, yeah. So it's to work, to home. Yes. And then after a while, they're like, you know what? Yeah, you can take the truck up north. Yeah. And, yeah. and they're just like, whatever. Fuel's on us. Run it. Yep. Yeah. So those are little benefits that people don't talk about either is never having to buy gas ever again. It yeah. was the That's- greatest thing in the world. <laughs> getting the keys to a truck that wasn't mine yep. and a gas card. Yeah. That oh, was yeah. like winning the lotto. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
You but, can go anywhere you want. Yeah. And, and we should really finish this out with talking about when you move into a superintendent and then it, it really to finish out the career arc, you're going from super from foreman to superintendent yep. to project manager. Yeah. And you get in that realm and you're boy, you, sky's the limit there depending on who you're working now, for, thing is, what size project and the, you know, that and then ending with a project manager role, that I you know, it's not for everybody. You know, a well, lot of times uh, when you hit superintendent, you stay superintendent. You know, me personally, I tried doing the jump to project manager. It was amazing. But the thing is, you're not in the field with the guys, you know, working, seeing things go on. You're sitting in a desk running. That's schedules, true. You definitely flip doing, the switch you know, to your primarily you you've gotten from your primary office yeah. being the field. So it's a giant, primary giant, office. You know, is the sounds office. great. And amazing, but man, that, that's I was when, ready to that's get back when you out switch from a hoodie to a collared shirt. Yes, you you. and that's another thing. But yeah, having nice clothes like yeah. every day. But for those interested, what comes along with that collared shirt is the collared shirt paycheck at the end yeah. of the day. And uh, you're talking, you know, I was making two hundred fifty grand a year. You know, if you're working for the right company, yeah. and you're getting those in, project bonuses in the dirt world. You know, being a superintendent, you have to know. Everything. Every aspect from the prints down to the labor to the every machine on the so, job. So what would you say the youngest you could be a project superintendent in the dirt world? A good project superintendent. I was, well, I the was very youngest. I was 22. So you could get there at 22. Yeah, you can. I would you, say that's weird. an anomaly. I wouldn't yeah. expect that. But, but you but started I, I at seven. To, yes. Yeah, I used to also laugh. Like I'd walk in <laughs> 18 years old and I'd put like 14 years of experience on a, you know, Yeah, that's because yeah. of overtime. Yeah. Um, but no, realistically, probably around 27, 28. For the average guy? Yeah. yeah. For the, well, that's, I would say for the highly motivated I'm going to work my ass off and get there. And I didn't guy, start at the age that, of seven. Yeah. The guy right. that has a work ethic. Yeah. 27. Yeah. 27. 30, 10 years. 30. Yeah. 30, 10 years 30. from entry level. Now, foreman, yep. easily, easily yeah. 21, 22 if you got the drive and the work yep. ethic. Yep. And, and that's what it all boils down to. Yes. We talked about it on my podcast. Yes. And I think this is just going to get driven in their head. Yep. Is that it only gives you what you're willing to put a 100%. In. And the funny thing is, is like we're talking about this, we could really break down specifics on this on each different oh and we podcast will because and we will. we're talking just at a broad level yeah, absolutely i'm but just i'm just letting in, people know you could that. get into like superintendent realm you might be running one massive job or two smaller ones you're probably looking anywhere from 120 to 150 okay you know company truck everything kind of paid for so, so packaged out you're probably looking at i mean from a business owner standpoint if your truck, computer, paid for mm. cell phone, gas card, insurance, you know, tool reimbursement, lunch reimbursement in case you got to take the guys out, really out of pocket, you're probably north of 170. Oh, yeah. Sure. You're, Easy. You're, you're 180 all day long. That's a real job. And then you turn yeah. into a, a seasoned superintendent that's yep. starting to take over some of the big highway projects, big airport projects. Yep. You're easily 250 yeah. a year yeah and then what they do is basically with and, bonuses and what's the attached. doctor scale this year i mean that's that's the question right there is what are we comparing to in the white collar world and how hard did they work and how much debt did they go into and well and depending 13 on 13 years of college yep for 300 grand a year doesn't seem worth it. no no uh, uh, but yes depending on your education of the trade yep the sweat equity you put into i mean at some point you're going to have somebody that just grabs a hold of you and it, they 
step on the gas and accelerate who you are and what your capabilities are. It's going to happen whether you're a labor operator, foreman. I call it taking you under their wing. Yep. Yes, Somebody's going to take you and put you under their wing, and they're going to help you. But you know, it, but that's it, all based off of your drive. drive. Yep. Yes, you got it. You got to want it in the industry again. I didn't. Yep. I didn't come into it because of the money. It's a very lucrative business that you could step into being a labor operator. The sky's the limit. I got into it with a passion and the thing is with the excavating world, you have to want it because you are going to have some hard days ahead of you. So yep. let me ask you this real quick. When you got into the industry, there was no technology. There was no YouTube. There was no Zero. forums. There was no Facebook pages about dirt world. I started, there was no GPS. How much easier has it become to gain knowledge in the dirt industry because of technology? Um, are you jealous of it? No. Actually, um, I know you hate technology. (laughs) This is a guy who can't check the calendar at his phone, but, (laughs) but but where I started, I started in the industry. You actually had to have a skill set. You actually had to be an operator. So no, no GPS, no technology, like a guy that could dig pipe or a guy that was on the bulldozer, dude, they were just straight up operators like you had to you had to be able to run this stuff i guess you missed what i was trying to say there with the advancements in technology yeah will that help a kid move to the top faster access to it, knowledge exactly it, it wasn't there when knowledge is power so it will until the stuff fritzes out or you can't catch a satellite dish you could you I'm, could I'm not talking it. about GPS grading. I'm talking <laughs> I'm tips, here. I'm, I'm talking tips Learning and tricks. It. Yeah. Oh on how to excavate. I thought we're talking about the machine. How, is it no. easier to get get knowledge yes. and the and the skills under your belt before you get into that role? No, because if a satellite no, gets covered by a cloud, is. then you're not gonna be able to <laughs> Yeah. I, I thought we were talking about the advancements. I'm like, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, you're getting a grasp on on how Rick struggles yeah. with technology. <laughs> I, I still I still struggle with technology. So, so what I'm saying lie, is but you could understand the industry by looking it up on your phone, YouTube, yep. Google. Yeah. Go to Diesel and Iron. Absolutely. Yeah, Diesel and Iron, you go to. Check um, it out. You'll learn everything. You could, you could go and understand what they're doing. A lot of guys are talking about it. The grass. Now, to get where they're at in their skill set is a whole different game. Yep. Yeah, but you right. could get there. You right. could understand it. Yep. So we'll end with this question. What's that? Do you love what you do? I wouldn't change it. Excellent. Well, thank you guys, as always, for listening. We appreciate you joining us. We'll catch you guys next week on the Blue Collar Narrative. Thanks, guys. See ya. See ya.